we do still see people filling up their times with video calls all day. And we're starting to see pushback on that in the right way, not just because of Zoom fatigue, because people are looking at the amount of time that people are spending on video calls or whatever the case may be versus getting actual work done. You know, and when I say actual work, it's what you're paid to do, deliver on your objectives, your key, whatever your KPI is. Welcome to the Digital Irish Podcast, a podcast all about Irish innovation. This podcast interviews entrepreneurs, investors, creators, global leaders, talks to them about what they're working on right now and what we can learn from their experiences. This podcast is brought to you by the Digital Irish Network, a not-for-profit organization which aims to highlight Irish innovation all over the world. I'm your host, Dave Byrne. Throughout the pandemic, we've been hearing this question, what does the new normal look like post-pandemic? What does work look like post-pandemic? Is it going to be back to office, everything back to normal? Is it going to be a hybrid between work and home? Is it going to be something truly different and unique that we haven't seen before? Now, we at the Digital Irish Podcast, we don't know the answer to this. And with more countries opening up, Ireland, for example, hoping to fully reopen October 22nd, we decided to start asking around and reaching out to entrepreneurs and innovators working on areas that potentially could offer us some insights into what the future looks like. So over the next few episodes, we're going to speak to people that are working on technologies to enable better collaborative working environments post-pandemic, and to companies that are trying to build a culture in everything that's been happening. You know, building up teams as we have been working from home while still maintaining a close, tight-knit culture and a positive culture. We're also going to hear about some of the challenges that may exist post-pandemic that we need to address head on. In the first episode of this series, we're going to speak to Johnny Cosgrove, who is the CEO at Meeting Room. Meeting Room is a service that allows people to work with each other using well-known meeting room facilities like whiteboards, but in a virtual environment. It allows for collaboration from a distance and adds an added layer on top of video conferencing services. Johnny has been working with companies for years on this. He has been building this product with his team pre-pandemic. So we thought it would be great to speak to him about the trends that he saw pre-pandemic, what he saw throughout the pandemic and what he expects in whatever this new normal may be. He has some fantastic insights and we couldn't think of anybody better to kick off this series on the new work normal. Hope you enjoy it. So we are coming towards what hopefully is the end of the pandemic. It is the at least coming towards the end of everybody being forced to work from home. And there's a lot of discussions about hybrid models between do we allow workers to work from home all the time? Do we allow people to do a hybrid or do we get people back into the office? So, Johnny, I, I, I couldn't think of anybody better to kind of pick their brain about where we're at right now. But I actually want to take us back pre-COVID because it feels like that this is a conversation 
that we're having reactively rather than proactively. We're reacting to what happened during COVID rather than proactively moving in a direction that suits workers and suits businesses. So why haven't we had this conversation sooner about what is the right model for workers and for businesses? It's never good to have a conversation when you've got a gun to your head because um, you don't really have a choice in the matter. It's pretty binary. And that's what the last year felt like. And look, myself and yourself have caught up on this before. But I think what's interesting at this point is we are moving from where people have been reactionary to where companies, orgs, people in them are actually starting to get quite proactive. And I think we've both seen an awful lot over the last three to six months in particular, where there's societal change, there's cultural change, there's how are we going to do this change? And we've just hit that sweet spot, not across the board, but in general, and it depends on the location, about, all right, how are we going to get competitive advantage from this? Not just for the company, but for the people who work for the company or for you and me who are working from home or wherever we might be. And that's why we're having this conversation now. Now we can start to take some action and insight because we're over a year in and there's no excuses anymore. We've got to start thinking about how this is going to move forward, not just hope it'll uh, all return back to whatever normal was before. And, and for the companies that are thinking about it right now, like you're obviously with the, the line of work that you're in, and we'll get into that shortly. You're obviously having a lot of conversations with businesses and with with different companies that are are thinking about this. What what are some of the things that you're seeing of like companies like handling this badly right now? Yeah, well, just to clarify, the type of companies I mainly deal with, they're Fortune 500s, they're large enterprises, they're working with huge workforces. So they've always been global, but obviously there's been a huge change in what the makeup of their, be it a meetings universe or just how they actually operate is. So just to clarify the types of people we're working with, these are people who you know might be executives who spent half their life on a plane before all this, and they're wondering, are they going to be going back to exactly that again? Um, or they're people who are working from home already, um, and they're you know seeing people come onto the same playing field as they are, as everyone's sitting behind one desk, not three people in a conference room, one person delivering information on a screen and getting forgotten about as soon as they get put on mute. <laughs> so in terms of, I suppose, what's good, what's bad, I don't think there is a straight good or bad, but higher level trends that I can definitely see and can definitely comment on. A lot of people are being very proactive, but there's some people who are overreaching on certain points. You know, what is value is something that sometimes gets lost in the conversation. And it's a case of when you're employing technology to get around this, be that implementing Teams, be that implementing whatever software you're trying to figure out to make sure everyone's on the same page. And that can be a huge amount of overreach. So overdoing it, or it can be the opposite end, which is, you know, not touching base enough, not organizing a five minute one-to-one -one on a phone call because that's all you needed to do. And so I think we're finally getting to a point where there's enough best practice starting to take place about how to have gotten through this forced work from home experience. But we are still writing the book on what's coming next. And I, I think that's something that no company's got nailed down right now, but we, they know that there's change coming. And I think the, the best operators that I'm seeing are getting ready for flexibility as opposed to a hard line. We're doing it this way and that'll be it. Because as we've seen from the last year, that's not necessarily possible right now from a risk factor control. That's such a good point because 
one thing that I've I've seen time and time again is like I see people posting on LinkedIn or like people sharing articles like research has been done to show that people are more productive working from home. So we should just stay at home. And I, it, it's funny because, you know, when you're talking about flexibility there, one of the things I realized is that there's been no studies on the flexibility aspect of things. There's only been studies of people working from office and working from home and not like any of the hybrid approaches and like being more flexible and finding a middle ground that suits the business and the and employees. Yeah. And look, employees are just suddenly waking up after a year doing this to, okay, the first six months might've been figuring out, right, when is childcare coming back? When we get that back into play, then I can figure out what our family routine is going to look like. And I think that's a nice guiding light, not just for us and our company, but in general, people are being guided by what makes sense as opposed to, okay, we do still see people filling up their times with video calls all day. And we're starting to see pushback on that in the right way, not just because of Zoom fatigue, because people are looking at the amount of time that people are spending on video calls or whatever the case may be versus getting actual work done, you know, and when I say actual work, it's what you're paid to do, deliver on your objectives, your key, whatever your KPI is, whatever your metric is, it's not going to be based on meetings. Okay. Maybe not if you're you're in sales might be a different, and that's probably gotten a lot easier over the last while. But honestly, I think what we don't know about yet is all the great stuff we didn't realize, how people are doing work from home and all the stories that are going to come out, both the good, the bad and the ugly they're going to feed into how companies react and also how talent moves. So I think we're at the start of something new, but not necessarily the how many people are going to work in an office or in my case, how many people are going to work in a virtual office. Yes, people are going to work differently and flexibly, and that's going to mean very different things for different people. Like anything, I suppose, looking at any good thing in life like security, you might have a standard you've got to hit, but a lot of the time that's going to be a standard that you fish to your company to make sure you're at a certain standard and remote standards, as much as they've been around for a long time, they've been moved up from, an, you know, maybe not fully operational yet, but from a mindset point of view, I can tell you that is the stuff that is keeping execs up at night because they're trying to figure it out. We're all trying to predict the future. What we tend to advise and what I tend to get in a room with people about is let's fix a use case. Let's assign value to it. Are you making money from this? Are you saving money for this? Or what can be the output specifically? Forget the tech. Forget processes and policies, try and get to that short, simple point, and then you can you know, get wherever you want. But ultimately, it comes back to people are going to tell their organizations how they're going to work, and, they're gonna, and it's going to be vice versa. And there's going to be a bit of you know, compromise on either side. And that's what the next few years is about. And you've mentioned something interesting there about like the, the the mentality shift that's happened, but not necessarily the process shift, like the uh, and the the kind of um, the systems in place shift that's happened. So, kind of like looking back to the start of the pandemic when there was like almost like this panic of like oh. Like, how do we actually get people working from home? Uh, like, what does working from home actually mean? Like, like, wh- like, how far has that uh, has the actual process shift happened? Like, has there been good strides forward, or are we still kind of like struggling and like actually still kind of trying to find our feet in regards to um, you know being able to be equipped to find the right balance? 
I'll try and break this down to from March last year, just to give it a bit of a you know sense and sensibility for everyone listening. Last March or whatever date it was that you know transcontinental flight went down. That was the one that's you know or was banned, so it's an awful lot harder to get from the US to Ireland to make it simple. That's when we started seeing a huge spike in interest, not just for our services, but people looking for, you know, I suppose getting up to speed with installing teams, installing the basics, like we need cloud software. I'm not joking on that one. There was a scary amount of large companies who were really forced into that position of going, right, we need to do this better. And we need to do it yesterday. <laughs> so that was just a marker in time when we were all starting to go into that, what's going to happen next stage. And some companies got very proactive. Some companies put their head in the sand and said, we'll wait it out. And hopefully it all goes back to normal. And then, you know, those are people who just completely fell over. And that happens, <laughs> especially when, you know, these, these events kind of happen. But the last six months specifically, we've seen, you know, a change where we were coming out of that stage where budgets were getting cut, reorgs were starting to happen, reorgs are now, you know, fairly finished in the, at least in a lot of the organizations we work with, um, to really figure out what this is all going to look like. And now I think that people, again, as I said at the beginning, we've moved beyond the having the gun to the head. We've moved beyond the how can we survive? Now we're moving towards thriving. How can this be our competitive advantage? How can this be ours? Not just installing a remote, everyone can remote work from everywhere. That's not what I'm talking about. That's the easy things. That deep behavior change of, like I was talking about with family life earlier on, simple things like not teams not having, and this is some of the basic, basic nitty gritties, but it's starting to become organization wide where we're seeing people, okay, look, don't have calls at school hours. That's stuff that I'm starting to see as being part of these policies and part of these movements. And I know that's really basic and on the nose, but the point for these things is it's starting to become real for people. Not everyone's going to just come back into the office because they're sent an email to come back to the office in the same way that not everyone wants to work remote all the time. And that's the balancing act that I think is about to really kick in over the next three to six months as we are starting to get a bit of a global coming out of lockdowns or going back in or whatever comes there. That's not what I'm here to talk about today. The point is, Focusing on the risk factors that your company control, that you can focus on in your company. And if that's, you know, bringing forward the remote work movement to be reality rather than forced and to actually be something people want to do, and whatever that looks like, that's going to be unique to a lot of different companies. I don't think there is one size fits all. Installing a header remote does not fix the whole thing. I think it's fantastic. And I think this movement is huge. Uh, but at the same time, with the companies I deal with, just to make it not so general, the large companies have been doing this for decades. They're, they're huge companies. They're in every country on the planet. They've had to have some sort of system in, in play for this regardless. Now, I think that people are really understanding that, not just from attracting and retaining talent, not just trying to make more money and save money, but actually getting down to that shareholder value of being bigger than what you were and seeing that the limitations of being around a city are just they're too big to pass up now. So I think... But right now, but on a societal level, we're going to see a huge amount of change, whatever that shift is from urban to rural and vice versa. But all I know is that we don't know the answers yet, and we should stop trying to predict it and just get back around those risk factors you can control. I, I wonder, to go on one of your points where people have started saying like, oh, no calls during school hours, for example, is like, it almost feels like that we're moving 
because we don't have the answers, it's like that one of the initial phases is is moving away from rules and kind of got, uh, like specific guidelines. In other words, like where an office may have been like, we are a nine to six office. Now it's kind of like, hey, you work and here are some guidelines of like how you engage with others. Like be cognizant of people's calendars, be cognizant of these things rather than giving them very direct, like your hours are X, Y, Z. And here's like how you, like here's how often you need to clock in, clock out kind of thing. Yeah. Simple things like that. And I think that hits one of the, one of the biggest pains I heard for the last year was people being absolutely micromanaged. That's what I mean when I say overreach. You know, having to be on a call all day just so someone can can check in when they feel like that's not trust. Trust, you know, it begins, at least for me, the minute you start working with someone, the minute you start a contract, you're trusting that you're going to work with someone because they're the best at what they're going to do and hopefully vice versa. If, you, if you're failing once you go beyond that, that doesn't matter if you're being remote or not or whatever the case may be. And I think a lot of that was put to the test. Um, but yeah, no, I think, look, simple things like look at the calendar before, you know, wait, don't wait for a tool to do it. Just pull up a calendar. You're all on Outlook or you're on Google and just check people's times. And what I was talking about earlier on, like simple things like not necessarily the whole school day, but the school commute. It's a terrible time of day to have a meeting. You know, simple things like that. Or say, look, I'm not having meetings until the afternoon because I want to get some deep work or do one big thing in the morning. Whatever your workflow is, just get some routine. I think that's... To bring it all together, I think we are starting to see routines set in play. And some are going to be very hard to move back from. Some are completely behavioral and they're not going to go back. And some are completely forced. And the minute the person who wants to be in the office one or two days a week to catch up, not because it brings the lovely spontaneity that we all love to talk about in the Steve Jobs talk, you know, trying to get toilets together so the CFO can run into the janitor or whatever, whatever the story is. That's fantastic. But there's also a lot of studies starting to come out to show that that necessarily isn't true getting people together, the right people on a team to get the right job done, making sure that you can have interoperability, not just with your software, but with your teams. That's the stuff that I want to talk about, you know, competitive advantage. That's really the value points I'm talking about. Real trust building up, not just, you know, start with the team and bring it out through the orgs. And the, the companies were big enough. If they didn't have something of that before, they probably weren't going to get dismantled by remote. They were going to get dismantled in general. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it sounds like what you're saying here is that rather than companies right now trying to focus on figuring out what the right thing to do is, is actually focus on trying to build a culture of trust and create this kind of psychological safety for like your employees, like make them feel like that they are going to be heard and recognized and understood in whatever steps are taken next. Yeah. I mean, like, look, my bias here is we kicked off meeting room because we wanted to build something that everyone could participate from. But in terms of what you're looking at from a company wide thing, right now yeah making people comfortable that okay and this is a headline we're all seeing go around at the moment not being in the office is going to hurt your your career because you might not progress so fast that's that was around before covid now it's just become a much bigger worry because people are starting to worry going what if not what if i'm not in the hq five days a week doing the hours i used to do 
And that is a real worry. And I definitely don't know the answer to that one right now. I know I'm a believer that any good company should have metrics that you can be aligned with, not how often someone eyeballs you. Um, But in terms of kind of bringing people forward and making sure that they're all comfortable, it's a two-way street. It's not just trusting that you do your job. It's also trusting that your company will look out for you because that's it's a two-way street. And that's really coming under the microscope when it comes to how people are doing remote work work from anywhere, whatever you want to call it in your vernacular, how they're doing that right now is starting to set, you know, it's setting brands apart. What's interesting is, as you're talking about this as well is one thing that comes to mind here is, is this an opportunity for workers unions to start pivoting and actually become uh almost relevant again. I think like in recent years, we've seen a lot of, especially in the tech industry, a lot of like unions have been almost like shut down or are just kind of overlooked by employees because they see it as like needless bureaucracy. Um, Especially when there are tech companies going, hey, we're going to give you all of these great perks anyway. So why do you need a union? Um, I wonder though, whether in this new phase that almost unions are going to become another avenue here to have like a conversation between the employees and their companies in regards to the future direction of this kind of hybrid approach or whatever approach comes next. Words are always more powerful when they're given a number. And that's how we originally got to know each other back back in the old activist charity days. But in terms of school, obviously, but it was all kind of the one, you have something that binds you. And I'll take it up a step a level rather than just looking at remote unions and tech and that kind of thing, because that's the obvious thing that we could have this conversation about. Take it up a level. Right now, travel, and especially with my bias, I'm looking at business tourism and all the effects of that. That's not just the obvious how many hours are you clocking on a plane. It's also the when you're eating out for dinner, there's a restaurant at the end of that. There's the you know, hotels, the transport, the restaurants, the conventions you go to. That's an ecosystem that has to come back. <laughs> there is no two ways about that. In the same way that we've got the institutional office owners, we've got the all those you know major players, right down to all the software that we all get by with right now to bring it back into the tech. And I think that what's never been more poignant is this point where we're all so connected. So yes, I do think that people could come together in a way that even covering it in the traditional union sense, I don't know if that even covers it, to be perfectly honest. I think that some of these niches, people will start talking and people will make sure that they're not getting pushed around just because we're working remotely. And I'm a big believer in that. You know, Just because someone's not in the office every day doesn't mean you don't have to invest back in the person. And I think that we're going to get pushed on that, I think, as a... I think there's just going to be a huge amount of push on that over the next while. But a lot of that is going to come out of the next 12 months, not necessarily the last 12 months. It's how are people... No one remembers uh, the original tackle. It's always Beckham's um, flick back, you know, the reaction to things. That's what people remember. I think that's what I'm talking about when people are talking about building brands. I think that companies going beyond what they sell in terms of the physical or the digital product... It's about getting people who want to be on board with their movement. And I think that's where I'm excited to see some companies really thinking about getting that brand, that is part of their brand value, as opposed to just making sure at the basic levels that the colors are right. You know, you've got to make sure that you look, feel, and act differently. And that's when I'm talking about competitive advantage, making sure that 
people don't have to ask for simple things like multi-monitors because people are tested and across across genders, across lots of different things. You give people two monitors and they're doing basic data entry, they're going to do the same job. You limit that down to one thing, and then that actually cuts certain people away from getting jobs done as fast. And my point in that is the real companies are starting to think about how can they reinvest what they're going to save from office space, not necessarily just cut it off the balance sheet. So firstly, I love the reference to David Beckham sending off in the 98 World Cup uh, against Argentina. Um, for those who didn't get the reference of like, nobody remembers the tackle, but they remember the flick afterwards. Uh, so great reference there. Um, finally, as we're recording this in the middle of the Euros uh, and... Uh, um, so, you know my love of soccer ball and how I thank you for filling the gap that I never would have filled. So for those listening, I've known Johnny for a while and I think this is the first time I've ever heard him talk about soccer in any format other than like making a comment about Eamon Dunphy or something. Um, so, but, you know, one thing, I mean, the... The the interesting thing here that I'm kind of hearing from you is like the the reinvestment of um, of like what would have been spent in maybe commercial real estate uh, or uh, in uh, the actual office environment is now going into these other areas. Um, and like that, that could be potentially a competitive advantage. So for for the next like let's let's think about like uh the next like 12, uh, 12 months ahead like the the i wouldn't call it the post covid this feels like the kind of like the end months hopefully fingers crossed hopefully this is like famous last words that's going to haunt me now <laughs> uh, but if we're going into the end cycle so if you were to think about like the best ways to reinvest that money, um, and you touched on some already, but if you were to offer advice to businesses about how they could use this investment in wise ways, what are some of the things that you would be recommending for businesses and how they reinvest in the employees in this new ecosystem? Good question. Look, we're in whatever this work from anywhere world is, people are still going to need to come together, whatever that might be. My bias again, to collaborate, <laughs> whether that in person or in digitally. But I suppose remote incentives is an easy way of putting a broad strokes to it. But looking at your business, what are the things that you need people together for? What are the things you just don't? In the same way that people have been looking into four-day work weeks for donkey's years. Um, and I love how we have to have a straight, it has to be this many days. I, I don't buy into that necessarily. I think it's an awesome movement. And I think certain things like that work really well. Um, in the same way that some companies have no meetings Fridays or no meetings Wednesdays, whatever the case may be. I think just trying stuff and not, not lots of stuff. Like, especially for the large, large orgs, this is different when you're an SME, different when you're running your own small business or whatever the case may be. Apologies, my phone went pinged off there. Um, the difference is you got to focus your resources and do one thing at a time. You don't need to do everything. 
I think that's, you know, it's been a bit, as we've gotten so many new technologies introduced over the last decade and a half, two decades, um, it's no different to before, aside from, I'm not talking about the consumer-led stuff, I'm talking about enterprise, I'm talking about SaaS, I'm talking about processes, how people rent buildings has changed in the last 10 years. So I think for the next two years, people attempting to do whether one thing a quarter, one thing a year, whatever that is, and make sure it's impactful, make sure it's, if we want to make money on something or we want to save money on something, provide the resources. I've seen so many people in the last year come out with a shoestring budget trying to achieve the Taj Mahal, and that just doesn't work. You know, you're, you're, you know, you pay what you get for. And I think that that is not just about money. That's about the time and investment, be that getting in coaches to help people who are having a hard time with the transition to whatever we're getting to. Not saying you've got it all figured out. And I've heard so many people who have figured it all out and yet we're still talking and they're looking for better ways of doing things or they're looking to replace things or whatever the case may be. I'm not a big believer in replacing what's already working. I'm a believer in extending workflows, doing things that add value to your existing process. That's the stuff when I'm talking about doing one big thing. It could be something small, but it could be high impact, could be high value. And lastly, I think seeing the people who are doing best, they're not talking to their people, or they're not overly talking to their people. They're talking to their people as much as they need to, and they're making sure it's not just a meeting for the sake of it, just to clarify that. I might run run a company called Meeting Room, but I'm a big believer in short, sharp meetings that are effective, having something with an agenda where everyone is actually prepared and knows what they're there to talk about, not just come on to have a cup of tea. Having a dedicated, you know, at the start of the week when everyone's starting, say hello, wave, see how the weekend was, bond as a human. But the companies who I see who are failing are not accounting for that. They're going too far into, let's talk all the day. Let's make sure I have 20 meetings. Therefore, I've done a good day's work. It's like, I always debate that. <laughs> Even pre-COVID, there was always that that weird uh, situation of like, how many meetings were we in where it could have been an email? And then how many email threads were we on that we would think this could have just been a five minute meeting. And it seems like that we're, it's still basically that conversation, but just in a different environment. Yeah. And sometimes right now, like I know I've definitely got one or two email threads, God forbid that are plus 50 and they're some of the most effective email threads I've ever been a part of because people have learned to contribute. And I'm lucky enough to work with some companies who really focus on that as opposed to just doing checklist items, you know? Um, But I do think we're back to a problem that existed before all this. Three people on Zoom, three people in the room, where is the meeting happening? That's one of the things that people are really trying to grapple with when they're talking about hybrid work. Who's really doing the work? Who's not? And all those little biases and human things that are always there. You know, that's what's going to come up and that's what's going to be uh, kind of interesting, if anything, over the next six months to a year. So almost like the... Are you kind of saying more so of like uh, the 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 biggest worry is like who is actually at the end of the day doing the work and like how are people actually collaborating together? And it's almost like the it's I'm not sure if I'm explaining it properly, but I'm almost thinking about it of like I remember that old thing of like when you're in college and you worked on a group project, there was always one person that never showed up, but showed up on the day to like co-present the project. Um, There was always somebody that did way more work and there was always somebody that was there, but not really like involved and leaned in. Um, 
like is that the worry with like this new hybrid approach of like well are the people on zoom really in the room like in the room with us or are the people in the room even really in the room so to speak out of sight out of mind has always been an issue and that can be whether i think now we're at a out of sight, out of mind. It doesn't just mean not being in the office. It also maybe means, oh, someone's not contributing on a Trello board. Someone's not, you know, getting results done, whatever the case may be. But I think what people are worried about is, is that going to be the same in a year as it is right now? We just got used to this, you know, we just got really good at using whatever our specific tool might be to measure all this or whatever. And some people are going to get back to the office. You know, I know it's, 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 it's religion at the moment. There's those who work from anywhere, those who are getting back to the office. And again, it's like everything we do. It's very, as binary as it might seem, there's a, it's a spectrum. And we've got to allow for that. And I think that's what, you know, people are looking for the inverted commas right answer. I don't think that exists. I think that really you've just got to bring it down to out of sight, out of mind. And that's what I mean by that is. Before COVID, that was something I dealt with every single day. People were coming saying, look, I just want to feel like I'm in the same room as the people so they listen to what I'm talking about because that's what I'm paid to do. I'm a remote expert. They only need me for five minutes in this sprint this week, whatever the case may be. But if you're looking to have real presence, I think that's where people have to not go back into the old bad habits of three people in the office all having a fantastic meeting three people on Zoom also having a fantastic meeting, but they're on mute and no one's listening to what they're saying. Not that they're talking and not, you know, being able to unmute themselves. I mean that if you're not in the building, your voice doesn't matter. And I think that's the thing we need to really be vigilant of. Companies going for a remote first methodology. And by that, I don't mean everyone has to be working from home or in a, in a WeWork office. I mean that you all have to come to the same place to have the same meeting with the same ability to contribute, whatever the case may be, you're still going to have people who are quiet on calls. You're still going to have people who are loud and boisterous on calls. But the differences from having them in real life, that introvert or quiet person, whatever way you want to put it, might be viciously writing notes the whole way through, but everyone's not seeing that like they used to. So that's what I mean when I'm talking about what's the new normal going to look like. It's going to be different. It's going to take a lot of adjustment. And I think that we're, while we're coming out of that reaction phase, I think this is, as I said earlier on, this is that adaption to what is going to be the standard going forward. Because when you get to choose your destiny as opposed to have it inflicted upon you, it's going to be a different set of results. I'd be remiss now if I didn't pivot to meeting room here because, like, you know, you're you're making some, like, pretty powerful statements there in relation to, like, actually the the collaborative piece and making people feel involved and connected and uh i feel like that that's kind of where you came from pre-pandemic with meeting room and what meeting room has been consistently about uh over the last few years if if i'm right in saying that we definitely sound a lot less crazy now than we did when we began the journey because, yeah, we're still singing the same party line. This is about, as I said earlier on, it's not about, you know, having more meetings, about having more impact and effect, you know, be that you, be that for the company, whatever the case may be. And that's been a driving force for us since day one. 
certain things have changed along the way, like any young company, but in terms of our focus and if anything, the kind of customers we work with, that hasn't changed, but we have seen a huge influx of, you know, more people wanting to get serious about this. And I think that's the, the savior of the last year was Teams, was Zoom, was all the tools that we have in our vernacular of how we've survived this. And what we see ourselves going forward is picking up on that extra adding to the workflow, making sure that it's simple for people to do certain kinds of meetings, not necessarily replacing the ones we're doing like we're on Zoom right now. You know, certain things work really well, just like meeting in real life is good when you're meeting someone for the first time or when you're closing a deal. (laughs) But those gaps in the digital armor, that's where we address. And yeah, we definitely have a bias from how we formed and how we stayed through to the mission. It sounds like then that one of the probably the biggest impacts is that you the the conversations that you've been having with the Fortune 500 companies that you're you've been talking to is that they're they're more leaned in than they were pre-pandemic. Um, but like, what other kind of changes have you started seeing in relation to like? you know, how people view meeting room and how people kind of then uh, engage with you. Yeah, I mean, look, from a where we stand out and what we actually do, people work with us because we focus on the enterprise-ready experience. And this is specifically just to explain a bit about meeting room because I know we jumped right into it. We make digital offices. Um, we build virtual spaces of service, just like bricks and mortar, you know, your sticky notes, your whiteboards but then everything that's allowed when you go digital. So if you and I want to do a digital site visit with a 360 image of the site that we can't get to right now, but need to make sure that everything's you know, wired up the right way or looks the right way, we can get in there and get that done. It's simple and it's accessible all the time. But in terms of what, we actually, what people actually work with us for, not because we make brilliant VR spaces, it's because we build a system that's you know, security focused, innovative in terms of how we've actually built this around the people and the processes as opposed to just saying hey look at our pretty office space it's about what people can get done and the use cases they can apply to them and it's really been a transformative year not just from getting new customers on board but seeing the next wave of customers come forward as well in terms of we're very selective and that's one of the things that got us through last year we're a small company and so we had to be hyper selective this time last year we might have had you know a couple thousand people knocking on our virtual door but we only wanted to work with about 60 of them because we had a fit, we had a mission before all this, and we didn't want to just react because the whole world was potentially going in a certain way. We wanted to work with people who had put some groundwork into really understanding what it is this is. And as I said earlier on, making a decision because you've got something you've got to make it isn't necessarily a great way of getting a customer on board. And what we've gotten to be known for over the last year is probably saying no more than anyone else. Not no to work with fantastic clients, but no to just doing something in VR for the sake of it. It's about making sure you come in to do something, something you can't do on your Teams call, your Zoom, your Slack, whatever the case may be. Something that's going to really bring value. And what I mean by value is not just getting the whole room in VR and saying that's fantastic and wowing people. That's kind of the easy part, at least people's first time in VR making sure that those meetings matter, making sure that what they get done and that they actually come back again and again, as opposed to just drift into doing something they could probably have done on Teams. So there's a potentially really valuable lesson if there's entrepreneurs listening to this now of like, 
of actually saying no because i think like especially with uh young businesses the temptation is to say yes to everything to just like have have revenue just coming in and coming in from anywhere so in those situations like how would you kind of make the determination to say no Take that on two points. From the company point of view, it's about what you can defend. Why are you the people, especially in this early space? There's lots of people building virtual space to a certain point. We've gone for our particular value points around security, around flexible architecture, and knowing that we can give an enterprise experience because that's what our team has experience in. That doesn't necessarily mean go out to every single person you can come in and do this. So that's what I mean from a company level. When you're actually going through the sales process and figuring out who your customer is going to be, I'm not saying be really, be really highbrow and say, this is who you're going to pick because why? Because you want their big companies on board. For us, we say, look, who's going to feel the most value from working with this kind of stuff, especially with this early stage tech. It's I work with VR headsets all day, every day. And over the last few years, I've met Dave on a number of occasions where I definitely left him on the call going, man, I host these things, hope these things get smaller so this could be, become a bit more real. And if myself and Dave were a bit older, we'd have been to- having the same conversation in the 80s, 90s with massive brick phones, Zach Morris style. And when I'm talking about that, there's a reason to it. Certain people have a reason to strap these things on and get going. And that we've focused on the customers who actually have value from that, not just to say, oh, I want a better way to meet. <laughs> That's fantastic, but it's a little bit too broad strokes. We want people who can't do what they're trying to get done and who have problems that we can solve. That's how I would select your first customers. But also at that right at the beginning stage, go out and talk to as many people as humanly possible and validate it. Don't just have a nice conversation be rootless, have a set of questions you want to get through and let the data guide your answers, not just what you feel. It's a bit of that. That's kind of what being an entrepreneur is. You've got to use your gut sense sometimes, but ultimately you've got to do what's right for the long term, not just what looks quick and easy for right now. So if I was to summarize that, it's like, you know, when you're, you can have like a hundred conversations, but in those hundred conversations, try to figure out what were the 10 conversations that said to you, this is a client or a partner that reflects what we're trying to achieve as our mission and reflects like a, a an organization that not only can we help, but they could also push us further to, to be better ourselves. Yeah. I mean, uh, we all talk about product-led growth and that's something is a big part of meeting room, but it's not just about looking about say in our summer rooms, who wrote on a whiteboard X, Y, and Z times. It's like helping the letting the customer guide what you're going to build. Letting the customer answer that because it doesn't matter what your team, like say for us, we use meeting room all the time. We are not the ideal users of meeting room. Our customers are, and we're very different by the by a lot of employees. But in terms of what we focus in on is listening to them and making sure that you limit expectations. Don't promise the sun, moon, and the stars, make sure you're actually going to get something that, that starts small. And that's something I, I, before I moved, I had it on the wall behind me, it, you know, 10 to hundred to a thousand to 10,000. And it's the case of going, start with the one, get one team. That's something we do. That is about meeting room. And we do this. We work with one team at the beginning to make sure it's really clear. And the best thing you can get to is either, yes, this is fantastic. Or, and this is something not every entrepreneur likes to talk about or get on board right at the beginning. Or the no, here's why this is a terrible use case, because we can't show that this is going to be valuable over the next year. It, it'll feel nice, 
It'll look great, but is it going to affect something that the company actually measures on? And that's that's what I'm talking about when it's a case of pick your customers, understand what drives them, not just what you like to drive, and then focus in. That's the, We're at the earliest stages. And the focus is make sure that you get it right, because then you know we can build whatever we want in virtual meeting rooms. But what we want to do is build up the library rooms and the universe of meetings that people are going to have in there and make sure that they're always effective. I'm wondering what's next for meeting room. Uh, there, obviously, there's so much happening like in the in the ecosystem that we've already discussed. Uh, like what what comes next for you? So we've got a lot going on over the next few months and we're really excited about the next product release uh, in particular, which is happening in July. That's where all my focus is on right now. And that's what brings together a lot of the tools we've been building over the last uh, few years. I'm bringing them into what our what we have always had our vision of virtual space as a service, letting people build up their own street on the metaverse to get work done. You know, we're not saying we're going to build the whole metaverse. We're talking about saying, look, we're building this particular street, which is known for a certain kind of thing. That's what I'm so excited about next. But we're also growing the company. Um, and I'm excited about, you know, getting more more, more bodies on board to really help drive the mission forward. And that's, that's our next six months. That's fantastic. And, you know, uh, the audience for the Digital Irish podcast is a mixture of entrepreneurs, investors, people that want to, you know, uh, find exciting companies that they can get involved in. Do you have any asks for our audience today? Well, if you're interested in hearing more, be that from client side or from investor side, look, we're always open to having a conversation, but we're equally selective when it comes to how we're looking to not just build our customer base, but also how we grow the business. And what I always find in life and in this business is the more conversations you have, the better. Um, and again, right now, we're on that summer point where we're really looking forward to having more and more of those conversations. So feel free to reach out. That's my ask right now. If you think you can help an Irish business grow, um, I'd love to hear from you. Excellent. Well, Johnny, I, I know you're exceptionally busy, especially with the, the launch coming up. Uh, so thank you so much for taking out the time. Very much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And that is it for this episode. We want to thank Johnny Cosgrove for spending time with us to talk about the future of work and meeting room. We also want to thank you, the listener. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcasting service that you use. Please also share this with anybody that you may uh, that may find this interesting. We hope to see you again for our next episode. Thank you.